This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. There was a little boy who had been listening to the preacher talk about the need for inviting people to come to church. Well, the little boy got in his mind that what he was going to do, he is going to start knocking on people's doors. And so he did. He got out in the neighborhood where he lived. He was knocking on doors. And he knocked on this woman's door, and she opened the door, and he said to her, or asked her, Ma'am, do you know the Lord? And she said, Young man, I will have you to know that I read my Bible every day. I'll have you to know, young man, I pray every day. I'll have you to know, young man, I go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and all of the special services they have. She's, and he said as kindly as he knew how, he said, Ma'am, I didn't ask you that. I asked you, do you know the Lord? Well, I'd ask, do we know the Lord? We want to talk about that today. And how well do we know the Lord? And how can we know that we know the Lord? I hope that you'll stay tuned today as we discuss that topic. Do you know the Lord? Hello, I'm Billy Lambert, and I want to welcome you to Getting to Know Your Bible, a, a program that's dedicated just to preaching the Bible. And that's the reason we call it Getting to Know Your Bible. I, am, I remember a number of years ago when I first started preaching on television, I got a call from Phoenix, Arizona. There's a woman on the line. I was sitting in my office, and she did not recognize my voice. I guess maybe I have a different voice when I answer the phone in my office or something. She didn't recognize me, and she said, I watched this program on television. I just have one question. Who came up with the idea of just preaching the Bible? And I replied, well, God did, ma'am. She said, well, oh, that's wonderful. I hope you'll keep it up. Well, that's what we're trying to do on getting to know your Bible is just exalt the Word of God. Thank you for tuning in today. I want to welcome you to our telecast. Now, today we're going to be offering a free Bible course. And I hope that you will avail yourself the opportunity to, to request this Bible course so that you'll know more about the course, know how to receive the course, why don't we pause for just a moment? To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. In Psalms chapter 9 and in verse 10, we have this reading. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. One of the greatest needs of our world is for men to really know the Lord. 
to understand God, to understand Jesus Christ, to really know them. Uh, Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12 says, for, for the which cause also I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed. And am persuaded he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul said, I know the Lord. And I know what the Lord can do for me. In Job chapter 22 and in verse 21, let's listen to what the Bible says. Acquaint now thyself with him. In other words, you get to know him. And be at peace. Hereby good shall come upon thee. How well do you know the Lord? Are you really, really acquainted with the Lord? Knowledge of God and a knowledge of His existence is the world's greatest need. The Apostle Paul came into the city of Athens and Paul was stirred in his spirit because he saw the city given over to idolatry. And he said, I, he said, I perceive that you're too religious, too superstitious because of all of the idolatry and all of the idols that were erected in the city. And then he said, the one that you're ignorantly worship is the one I'm going to declare to you. And he talked about the one true God of heaven, the God in whom we live, in whom we move, and have our very being, the God of heaven, the only true and living God. How well do you know God? How do you feel about God? Well, we need to know some things about the God that is described in the Bible. And let me just give you a few ideas about some of the things that we can know about Him. First of all, He is a God of grace. In Psalms chapter 84 and 11, the Bible says, The Lord will give grace and glory. So He indeed is a God of grace. In Titus 2 and 11, the Bible says, The grace of God that brings salvation, has appeared unto all men. And then Ephesians chapter 1 and 7, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. He's a God of grace. And then in Ephesians 2 verse 8, by grace are you saved. So God is a God of grace and favor. Secondly, He is a God who is omniscient. He, there isn't anything that God doesn't know uh, about us. He knows us all. For example, in Exodus, the third chapter in verse 7, he's talking about the, his people when they were in bondage in the land of Egypt. And in that verse in Exodus 3, verse 7, he said, I know their sorrows. He knew he had knowledge of their sorrows. He knew what they were going through. And then he is a God of omnipotence. That is, he, he knows everything. And he is all-powerful. God is all-powerful, isn't He? He is described in the Bible as being the almighty God. He's a God of integrity. He's a God you can trust in hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. Our God is a God who is truthful. He is honest. He's a God of integrity. And He's a God of justice. In Genesis 18, 25, the question is asked, Shall not the judge of all of the earth do right? And the answer is, of course, Yes, indeed, He will do right because He is a God of justice. God is an impartial God, Romans 2 and verse 11. Romans eleven twenty two says, Behold the goodness and the severity of God. He is a good God, but He can also mete out justice when it is necessary. 
So God is a great God. He is a God of omnipresence. He's a God who is here, who is there, who is everywhere. In Genesis 18, 26, the statement is made, Thou, God, seest me. All of us could say that right now, that God sees us. God, there isn't anything about us that God doesn't know. For example, in Matthew 10 and 30, the Bible says that God even has the very hairs of your head numbered. He knows all there is to know about you. But, but God even knows, is the only one who knows, when Jesus Christ is going to return, according to Mark chapter 13 and in verse number 32. He is a God of omnipresence. He is a God who is here, there, and everywhere. In the 139th Psalm, David said, If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there thy hand shall hold me, thy right hand shall guide me. There isn't anywhere that you can escape the presence of God. In Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 3, Solomon said, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. These are just a few of the things that we know about the God of heaven. That is a God of grace. That is a God of omniscience, a God of omnipotence. That is a God of integrity, a God of justice. That is a God of omnipresence. What a wonderful God we have. But now let me go back to the text that I read at the very beginning in Psalms chapter 9 and verse 10. They that know thy name will put their trust in thee. You see, when we know God, we understand God, we have, have knowledge of God, there are certain things that are going to be beneficial to us. For example, to know God as a God of omniscience is to trust Him for guidance. And God has perfect knowledge. We do not. We do not. Jeremiah 10, 23 says, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Now, now folks, that's what we've been trying to do in America for a long time, direct our steps. But we've made a horrible mess of things because we've left God out of the equation. But when we come to understand God as a God of omniscience, we're going to trust Him for guidance in our lives. Man has made a mess out of guiding himself. Man says, well, this is the way I see it. This is what I think. This is how I feel. Solomon said in Proverbs 14 and 12, There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. But then again, to know God as a God of grace is to trust Him. For forgiveness. Do you know Him as a God of grace? Well, then you'll trust Him for forgiveness. And He is a God who is a forgiving God. In the Old Testament, even, even when His people just turned their backs upon Him and, and, and rebelled against Him and were backslidden and hard and in life, God still had a, a heart for them. He still loved them. And in Isaiah 1 and 18, this is what He said, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And God is willing to forgive today. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. One of the greatest blessings of all blessings is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Can you imagine not being forgiven? of your sins, but can you imagine how you might feel 
if you were forgiven of sin. God's willing to forgive. And we learn how to forgive other people by learning how God forgives us. In Hebrews 8 and 12, the Bible says, I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. That doesn't mean that God loses His mind. It just simply means that when God forgives us, He treats us just like it never happened. If you want to know how to forgive your husband, forgive your wife, if you want to know how to forgive someone who has offended you, find out how God does His forgiving. And then you forgive just like God forgives. You see, God is a God of grace, a God of kindness, a God of mercy, and God is a, we ought to trust Him to forgive us of our sins, and indeed He will. There's a tombstone somewhere in New York that just has this one word on it, forgiven, forgiven. I don't know the reason behind that tombstone, I don't know the reason for that epitaph. Maybe that suggests that this person had been forgiven by God, or it may be the person that died had been offensive to someone, and the person that had been offended by that individual put that tombstone down there to suggest that they had forgiven that individual. I don't know. But I know one thing. We can have forgiveness written all over our life because of God's marvelous grace. But to know God as a God of competence, and He is a God of competence, is to trust God for the provisions of life. God is, it might just seem unreasonable to some people, that God would be able to provide whatever we need. Well, God is able to do lots of things. And one of the things God is able to do is to provide the things we need of life, in life. Listen to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. My God, my God is able. He said, my God is able to provide your needs, all your needs, according to His riches in glory. Someone says, well, how is it that God can provide all your needs? Well, I'll tell you how. He owns everything. There isn't anything that you need God doesn't already have. The, he the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth His handiwork, and the so then Psalms 24 and 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God owns it all. And so the God who owns it all, who has everything in the bank of heaven, can supply all your needs. And He's always provided for people. He's always provided for His own, especially for His own that all things work together for good, for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are the called according to His purpose. Sometimes we just wring our hands, you know, say, what in the world am I going to do? What am I going to do? How are we going to get by? I remember when our children were small, very small, and... I was beginning out, starting my life as a preacher of the gospel. And contrary to what some people think, pre preachers don't make all the money there is in the world. And there were times that we had some difficult days. And we're not certain where things were going to come from for the next week and sometimes for the next day. But you know what would happen? 
when we thought that we had gone as far as we could go, something would come up and the need we had would be provided. And so our family developed this little motto for our life. And it's found in the book of Genesis chapter 22. And it is Jehovah Jireh, which means God will provide. I don't know what you're going through right now. I have no idea what you're going through. Some of you are going through the deep waters right now of your life. So some of you feel like you're in the dark cloud. So some of you feel like you're tested and tempted beyond measure. So some of you are going through some things with your family. Maybe you're going through some things with your job. But God will provide. Jehovah Jireh. I've tried to talk to some young couples about that. The young couples have a tendency to go through things of that sort. And, and, and I've got some of them saying, every once in a while, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And the Lord will never, ever, ever let you down. He will never let you down. If you trust God for His competence and for His power, you can trust Him for the provisions that you need in life. And if you trust God's integrity, you, you can, if you have confidence in His integrity, then you can trust the promises that God made. And God is a God, according to Titus 1 and 2, who cannot lie. It's impossible for Him to lie. And then according to 1 Kings 8, 56, there's not one word of all of His promises that's ever failed. And then according to 2 Peter 3 and 9, He's not slack concerning His promises. He's kept all the promises that He's ever made to us. We can trust His promises. And the worth of a promise is no better than the integrity of the person, person making that promise. Uh, through life, I've had people to make promises to me, and, and uh, I, I questioned whether or not they were going to fulfill that promise because of their track record. And there have been times that I have been pleasantly pleased and surprised. And there are times that I got what I expected. They promised and never performed. But the difference in man and God is this. Man might may, may make a promise and not fulfill it. But God makes promises. And God has never broken one of those promises. This is a promise he made in Isaiah 55 and verse 11 that, that when you sow the seed of the kingdom, that is the word of God, it's not going to return back to him void. He's promised according to Malachi 3 and 10 that when we bring all of the tithes into the storehouse, that there, be, that there may be meat in his house, he'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so great there shall not be room enough to receive it. Someone says, you believe that. I believe that when we give today in the Christian age, as we've been blessed, as we have prospered, that God will indeed open up the windows of heaven and He will bless us beyond measure. Someone says, why do you believe that? Number one, it's because I've experienced it in my own life. And number two, is because God said so. And I trust God. And so we can trust His promises because God is a God of integrity. 
And then because he's a God of justice, you can trust his threats. He always makes his threats good. A person might make some kind of a threatening gesture to you, and maybe they're just bluffing. And, but God's not bluffing. Think about some of God's warnings in the Bible. Hebrews 9.27 is actually a warning. And it is appointed unto a man once to die. That's a warning. But you think how lightly people take that warning. Their people think they'll never die. They're going to live forever. But it is appointed unto a man once to die. And there, there's not anything you can do about that. You can take vitamins. You can exercise. You have plenty of rest and all those kinds of things. You can go for checkups. You doctor on a regular basis. But you have an appointment with death. Unless the Lord should come first. You have an appointment to die. And I don't know of anything you can do about that. You see, that's a promise of God. Here's another promise that God has made He's going to fulfill. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, this is a promise. And that uh, there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. In other words, the other people are tempted just like you are in this. You're not an unusual case. But then he says, but, but God is faithful. Who will not suffer, that is, allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but, but will with the temptation make of a way of escape. I believe the providence of God is woven into that promise. And that is when we are tempted, we can rest assured, number one, God is not doing the tempting. According to James chapter 1, verses 13 and 15, God doesn't tempt us. That's not, that's not God's job. That's not God's business. We're tempted when we're drawn away of our own lust and enticed. And then lust, when it is conceived, brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth spiritual death or separation from God. But God's promise is that when you're tempted, that He will make a way for you to overcome that temptation. That's a promise He's made. And you can stand on the promise of God. Here's another promise of God, Revelation 2.10. And I understand the context and the church to which it was originally written. But I believe the passage is, is uh, still applicable to us today. Be thou faithful unto death. Now to that church it meant you be faithful even it should cost you your life. I think the application today is you be faithful all of your life. Be faithful to God until you die. If you die a natural death, be faithful. If you die a violent death, be faithful. If you die with a sword, be faithful. However you die, be faithful. Be faithful unto death. What's the promise? I'll give you a crown of life. God is a God of justice. And God, we need to take the promises of God, the warnings of God, seriously. But in conclusion... If we really know God is a God of omnipresence, we're going to trust Him for His care. Do you believe that God is always with you? You know, when Jesus gave the Great Commission according to Matthew's Gospel, He said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, he said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world, that is, to the end of the age. And I believe today that those who teach and to preach the Word of God never do it alone, that the Lord is with them when they're teaching and preaching His divine will. But you're never alone. God made this promise to you. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. And you're never, ever outside the care of God. He knows what's going on in your life, every minute of your life. He sees you when you're riding on the waves of victory. He sees you when you're in the valley of despair. He sees you when you're in the vice of temptation. He sees you when you're experiencing financial ruin. He sees you when you're grieving over a new-made grave. He sees you when you're in the dark of loneliness. He sees you when you're in the valley of decision. He sees you when you've been misrepresented presented and misunderstood. You are never, ever outside the care of God. Isn't God wonderful? Isn't God great? I want to urge you to, to serve God with all of your heart and trust Him enough that you'll trust Him with your soul, that you'll believe on His Son, that you'll repent of all of your sins, you'll confess or acknowledge your faith in Jesus, and that you'll be submit to water baptism for the remission of your sins. Why? Because it's taught in the Bible in Acts 2.38 and many other places, and that you'll be faithful unto death, as we read from Revelation 2.10. I want to thank you for watching today. And to, in the closing moments, let, let me give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. If you don't know where it's located, get in touch with us. We'll find a local a congregation that's nearest to you. Also, right now, pick up the telephone. Call for the free Bible correspondence course. Do it without delay. You may take it online as well. But however you do it, please take the Bible. We want you to get to know your Bible better. And we want to thank you for watching today. I hope that you will tell someone else about getting to know your Bible. Spread the word that we're trying to get into the Bible and tell men and women, boys and girls everywhere what God has to say in His Word. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you and watch over you and your household until we meet again. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at one 877 Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.